0: And it left me with brain fog and vertigo and high blood pressure and all these things that I didn't have before. Mm-hmm. And even though I practice medical litigation, I don't like to take a lot of medicine and I love my doctors. But afterwards, when I was healed from COVID, I was learning that I'm stuck with these sequela of COVID and the doctor's telling me that basically... I might just have to live with these things. I might have to live with vertigo. I might have to live with high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. I might have to take medicine for my whole life. And that wasn't okay with me.
1: I am Lisa Roars, former executive coach turned podcaster and digital course creator. Just a few years ago, My typically unwavering optimism was put to the test when my autoimmune system went sideways and handcuffed my dreams to positively impact the world. Fast forward though through years of failed experiments, dozens of doctors, and countless hours of research, and I am now a healthy, thriving CEO of a business that is positively impacting the world by empowering people to exchange fear for fortitude and dis-ease for durability. I created the sunshine cafe podcast to give you strategies to be your best self advocate. So you can focus on the things which light you up. If you're looking for hope and encouragement to live a life you love, then you're in the right place. Let's dive in. Hello, and welcome back to the sunshine cafe. Today's guest has a great case to argue for being intentional about our food choices. In fact, Food saved my friend Michelle Adams in a way that only good food can. And actually, it saved her twice. Michelle is not only a wife and a busy mom of three, but she also had a completely consuming career and really a life's work that she loved as an attorney, specializing in medical litigation. But after 20 taxing years of case preparation, research, and being on site at countless medical trials, the work that once really lit her up had completely burned her out, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So she took matters into her own hands and started to bake. The creative process of baking not only offered healing for her overworked psyche, but it also began to open up her eyes to all the crazy things that are put in our foods, which are not homemade. During the same time, the maladies among her family members began to pile up autoimmune illnesses, stomach problems, gluten sensitivity, anxiety, prediabetes, cholesterol, high blood pressure, and two of her beloved dogs were diagnosed with cancer. It was a bumpy road to arrive at the solution, but food again was what saved her and her family. Since Michelle is a former litigator who is often the one asking the questions, today it's my privilege and humble honor to ask her a few questions about the journey she and her family have been on, and how she is now making the case for intentional eating through her website and online resources. I hope you will enjoy the conversation with my friend, Michelle Adams. Welcome to the show, Michelle.
0: Hi, Lisa. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah. Why don't you just dive in? Tell us a little bit about some of the things that opened up your eyes to, well, why you have a podcast called Harvesting Truth.
0: Sure. So it's a long journey. But to summarize, I currently run a podcast called Harvesting the Truth, the story of our food. And it was my life's work in several different spheres, as long as my personal health journey, that led me to doing this. First is that I was a medical litigation attorney, I did that for 20 years. And I learned a lot and saw a lot doing that. And yes. it deeply affected me. You know, it helped me learn a lot about our current society with respect to healthcare. Sure. And and how doctors think and treat illnesses. Okay. And um, because I represented doctors. And so could you give
1: it, our, our listeners just an example of as a medical litigation attorney? Like what I mean, obviously without sharing specifics, but like what kinds of cases would you be involved in?
0: So I s when I started out as a young attorney, it was mostly things like, you know, accident cases where people are injured through some sort of event. It could be a car accident, it could be a slip and fall. And then the the person's injured and then the person files a lawsuit. And it progressed to me representing doctors because you kind of like work your way up. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes mm-hmm. a long time to learn the the steps to work up to that. And so typically what you do is if a lawsuit is filed, you have to learn all about the event. You have to investigate it. You have to learn all about if it's a product or whatever the incident is that causes the injury. You have to learn it. And then you also have to learn all about the person's injury and if that injury was actually caused by the event. And so that involves looking at the person's medical records, not in a vacuum, but for (laughs) their entire life. Because you have to connect the dots. And so I learned how to do that. I learned how to read medical records, interpret them. And then oftentimes in even the basic accident cases, you need to go speak with the doctors. And so you will be speaking with the doctors who are involved in the person's medical care And you're also obtaining your own doctors to look at things. Mm. And as you progress up to medical litigation, you're taking that even a step further because oftentimes you are you're obtaining a lot of doctors to help you learn what the truth is. You know, you're just trying to discover the truth because all of those factors affect what a lawsuit is worth, whether it gets settled or whether it goes to trial. If Mm. it goes to trial, you have to make recommendations to the jury. I interviewed thousands of doctors over the years and I looked at millions of medical records. And sometimes the doctors I was interviewing, because let's say this is a medical litigation case, sometimes there would be over a dozen doctors. And you know, these weren't just the doctors who were involved in the case. These are doctors that we obtain as expert witnesses. And we were flying all over the country, sometimes other countries. We were sometimes obtaining very, very renowned physicians, researchers and scientists and Hmm. everything, you know, everyone Hmm. who we needed to be involved in the litigation. And if the doctors were obtained by the opposing side, you would have to figure out how you were going to cross-examine these doctors. So you get really involved in learning the injury or the illness. So let's Mm -hmm. say one time I had a case, it involved a very unusual thing called alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. I didn't know what that was and I had to explain it to a jury. So I had to learn it. I had to depose the world expert in alpha-1 antitrypsin deficiency. It was really intimidating. You have to go through all of their papers. So you have some sort of ability to be able to cross-examine them. Mm -hmm. And so that's what the job was. I mean, the job was like getting very, very involved. And what was really interesting to me is that if it was something more common, like say a person was in an accident, an automobile accident, and they and they got whiplash, which is something that we're all familiar with, Mm -hmm. there's a certain way that that gets treated. Mm -hmm. And it gets treated the same way. Every single time, all people get treated the same way. And they get the same diagnosis. They get prescribed the same medications. They receive the same test. Interesting. And so you kind of start to see patterns especially if you do it for 20 years and you oh. look at thousands of cases right. you see patterns and that's okay. what i noticed about that job is that i was seeing patterns for things
1: okay thank you for just telling us a little bit more cuz if you if you anticipate if our listeners anticipate the thousands of hours of research that not only you have but you know combined with the people that you were talking to this isn't just like something you were researching on the side this is a really deep body of knowledge that you were tapped into and learning and and gaining that knowledge as you were going. So that I think that's a really important thing to just set the stage for the rest of this journey. So sorry to to take us a little side note there, but I just wanted to paint that picture.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean it was it was my life's work at the time. It was the type of job where, you know, I get up, leave my house at seven, I was going to court every day, I was coming home late at night after I put the kids to bed. I'm Going back into it and picking up what records and papers I need to look at at that night to prepare for the next day. I mean, it was all encompassing. You're working it every day, all day, even the weekends. And if you're on trial, that's all you do for weeks, even months on end. You might be away from your family for weeks because you're on trial somewhere. It's not like you can, you know, leave and come home. So, it was definitely my life's work for a very long time.
1: So, you had this medical litigation life work that you were doing as an attorney, learning all this amazing stuff that you were learning. Okay, continue on then with that amazing
0: journey. So, I mean, I did that for 20 years and I had a couple of cases that really affected me and made me really think about the fact that I was away from my kids. I mean, one of the cases was the death of a baby. And that's always a really hard case. I had a lot of cases involving children over the years, disabled children, children Mm. who died. I mean, really heartbreaking cases. And there was one in particular, it was the death of a baby. And It took everything out of me. It just, we were on trial for three weeks. I was gone from my family and it had taken months to prepare. And when I got done, I just realized that I wanted more time with my kids because I wasn't going to get those years back. And that's all I wanted. I just wanted a little bit more time. And so I decided to step away from litigation at that time because it was taking everything out of me. Other people were raising my kids and I needed a little bit more time. Not that I didn't want to work, but that I wanted something a little bit more flexible because as you can imagine, it was all encompassing. I mean, it wasn't just a job or even a career. It was more like a way of life. And I just really wanted something a little bit more. So I decided to step back from litigation and not... Stop being a lawyer, but just stop litigating and take a breath and determine if I wanted to go back and So I did that and as you can imagine, a job like that does lead to a certain amount of burnout, and I was feeling pretty burnout I was feeling pretty unhealthy I had started I had started baking a lot because I was raised in a farming community. I always loved to cook. And of course, I, I grew up Italian and food was really important to us. And so I started to bake a lot and I was noticing in my own kitchen, me just baking. It really opened up a lot because that now I know that when you take up an activity like something creative, like baking or cooking or music or anything like that, It actually opens up neural pathways in your brain and it helps you to recover from burnout because you're creating new neural pathways and also you're doing something fun, creative, joyful, and you start to kind of recover and heal yourself through your brain power. Mm -hmm. And so I noticed that it was helping me to do that. And I noticed also another thing is that I realized that because of my job, we had become a family dependent on typical supermarket food, takeout, fast food, and somewhere in there, you know, even maple syrup became just high fructose corn syrup. And I realized that by baking my own desserts, pastries, muffins, cookies Mm -hmm. for the kids, that it not only tasted better, but it was better. It was better for us. And so that was the start, I think, of my food journey. And me, even though I had been raised in a farming community and Italian and all of that, like that really, that was my passion was food. But when I was baking in my kitchen to heal myself, it was the start of me realizing the power of food.
1: Mm, Interesting.
0: Yeah. And so I, I was baking a lot and I was stepping back from litigation and my sister and I decided that we were going to open a bakery. It was honestly just a passion project. We weren't (laughs) intending anything. We weren't, we really weren't. We were just gonna, we were just gonna bake some stuff. We might like go to the farmer's market or whatever on the weekends after we both worked (laughs) and it just grew. And we realized that if we instituted things that were important to us, put ingredients first, bake with the seasons, really focus on handmade small batch methods, that the food that we were making was just a better quality, so much better than anything you could buy in the store. And that's when I started to realize about ingredients in food. You know, I was paying attention to the fact that I could make something in my kitchen with pantry staples like flour, sugar, eggs, and butter. And if I went to the grocery store to buy the same thing, there's a list of 30 things, words I can't pronounce. Even you who has that plethora of research and even you can't pronounce them. Oh, you'd need to be a scientist to know what those things were. And you would need to research it, which, you know, was my career. Most of the times I didn't know what things were. I didn't know what alpha one antitrypsin deficiency. I didn't know what that was until I started to really research it, as with everything that I had done, and so I realized that the things that I was baking didn't have all of those harmful chemicals, and so that's what we did. We opened a bakery, it grew, we ran that for a very long time for about ten years, and then wait when it was time to like to step away to step back from that, I was still practicing law the whole time. I had just switched my feel to more of a business law than litigation. Okay, And then I got COVID in the height of the pandemic. And it really affected everything when I got COVID because it turned into long COVID. I had double pneumonia COVID. I was in bed for two months. And it left me with, brain fog and vertigo and high blood pressure and all these things that I didn't have before. Mm -hmm. And even though I practice medical litigation, I don't like to take a lot of medicine. And I love my doctors. But afterwards, when I was healed from COVID, I was learning that I'm stuck with these sequelae of COVID. And the doctor's telling me that basically I might just have to live with these things. I might have to live with vertigo. I might have to live with high blood pressure. Mm -hmm. I might have to take medicine for my whole life. And that wasn't okay with me. You know, I I didn't want to do that. And at the same time, I was looking around at myself and my family, and I was realizing that my kids were really unhealthy. My son had a lot of stomach problems. My daughter had an autoimmune disorder. And I had two dogs at the same time to died of cancer. And I'm like, what is going on? It just felt like all at once, all these things were happening. And it made me do a big deep dive into our food. I had done that when, like I said, I became aware of ingredients when I was baking. But mm-hmm. All this other stuff, like everything that we were eating, you know, everything in our pantry, my New Year's resolution, clean out the pantry every year, clean out the pantry, clean out the pantry. And this time I'm like, you know what? I'm not just going to clean out the pantry. I'm basically going to throw the pantry away. And that's what I did. I went in there to clean out the pantry. And when I was left, there was nothing in there. And my kids were like, mom, where's the food? <laughs> Where are all the
1: chips and all the things that we used to snack on?
0: Yeah, we don't have chips anymore
1: beautiful. in our house.
0: We That's don't beautiful. have. Any. Yeah, we buy if if they want chips, they know what they're going to get from me. They're going to get these organic tortilla chips from Costco, and that have just basic, you know, ingredients yep. in them. We don't have any chips in our pantry, and we were a family of chips mm-hmm. before that.
1: You and many others. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right, so the pantry
1: got dumped. Then what happened?
0: Well, a little bit before that, I had actually started with my dogs. Because I wanted to know, why did they get cancer? Because I had two golden retrievers, and I know goldens are kind of known to get cancer, but I'm like, why? Why did they get cancer? And I had one who had a stomach tumor, and then I had another who had bone cancer. And my dog that had the stomach tumor, she had died right before COVID started. Oh goodness. Yeah. And then my dog that that died next, he was diagnosed with cancer right after the pandemic started. And he had bone cancer. And I'm thinking, why? Like, why is this happening? He's like 10. Why does he have cancer? And at the same time, I got COVID. And that's when I started a really deep dive into the dog's food. And I'm like, well, if this is a concern for dogs, what about people? And I was looking at things like pesticides and the chemicals that they were eating and the byproducts that they were eating. And I just started to research everything because that's what I had done for so long. You know, Mm -hmm. my whole career was research. Yeah. And so I started to research everything. And I was honestly not feeling well myself. So I had time to research and I spent a lot of time researching what was going on and I came up with the fact that it's the food it was our food that we were eating that was harming us Mm -hmm. and I decided okay everything's got to go like we have to do an overhaul I know I learned a little bit from baking but if I learned that the things the desserts in the store are bad it's the same stuff. It's in the chips. It's in the ketchup. It's in, you know, the pickle relish. It's in everything. It's
1: in everything. And yeah. it, by it, we're talking things like sugar, seed oils, vegetable oils, all of the extra toxic things, you know, and maybe on their own, they're not a problem. But you start getting that toxic load of all of those things being added up into our system or the dog system. And then something's got to break. And it's usually the cell.
0: Yeah, you know, I was learning that everything that we were eating was causing a lot of inflammation in our body and all this inflammation was going into our cells. You know, nobody was talking at that time was talking about the gut microbiome. Mm-hmm. In fact, my son's story, and this was all happening at about the same time, was that he was suffering for years with irritable bowel. And he went through all the tests and I was familiar with all the tests because, I, you know, for years, that's what I did. And I was familiar with the tests that they run, you know, it's standard stuff. It's like you go to your doctor, you tell him you have this and then they do some blood work to see if there's anything going on. Does he have an ulcer? Does he have, you know, what's going mm-hmm. on? Like, is why does he have irritable bowel? Is there anything obstructing in his stomach? Are the other organs all working? So they do the blood tests and then they start to do some scans and then they refer out to a specialist when nothing's working. After they try like some medications, they tell you to do over the counter a or Famotidine or something like that. That doesn't work. So then they might prescribe something stronger. And then they refer you to another doctor, an expert, you know, a GI expert. Mm -hmm. Um, He went to an allergist. He had so many tests. He had allergy tests. He had blood work. They worked him up to see if he was celiac. They worked him up to see if he had anything else going on. They did scans of his gallbladder, of his pancreas. They did a colonoscopy. And we did all of these tests. I was feeling so bad for him because putting well, him through this, but well, he wanted he a at the time? T- Teenager.
1: Okay, but that's a lot to go through. You kind of start feeling just that fear of like, what the heck's wrong with me if they're running me through all of these
0: tests? And he was unwell. I mean, he was really unwell. Like he couldn't make it through a meal without being unwell. I mean, he was belching throughout the meal. He had to excuse himself. And this was every dinner, every single dinner, every single night, because we always eat together as a family. And he wanted the test because he wanted to feel better. He wanted to know what was going on. And we were trying all of these things and he had all these medications and stuff. And then he went to his first GI doctor, said, everything's normal. So got then I, I'm i like, okay, well, let's get a second opinion.
1: Yeah. Cause obviously and, it's not normal
0: from our perspective. Right. So we get a second opinion. We got a third opinion <laughs> and all, all these experts are like, there's nothing more we can do. Like, maybe we can repeat the blood test in six months. And like, I asked the doctor, I'm like, well, what is that going to do? What information are you going to gain from that? Because you've already done all these tests. We've, we spent all this money because we had a high deductible and we spent all this money on these tests. And I'm like, what, what information are you getting? And what can you tell us? And even though these doctors are well-respected and they get a lot of glowing reviews from their patients, I wasn't getting any answers from them because they didn't know. And if they did know, they weren't telling me. So, you know, we went home from that and I'm like, well, it's up to us. Like most people, I think nowadays, they don't take control of their health and they say, I guess I just have to live with this. Mm -hmm. And that wasn't okay with me. Like we weren't going to live with it. And so I decided that we were going to change all of our food. Because I was learning that this is what the problem was and even though this is the problem, nobody was asking us, well what do you eat?
1: What kind of diet you have? What kind of food yeah. are you putting in, right? And you
0: know the doctor in a general sense doctors do say, do you eat a healthy diet or something, you know, well, and then you might, oh well, yeah, like I have like three meals a day or whatever. They don't go dig further and say what do those meals consist of or even remotely mention, well, did you know that if you're eating too many corn products, corn has a lot of pesticides in it? Or did you know that maybe your gut microbiome is off and is causing a lot of your problems and you need to have a probiotic? And they don't talk like that because we're not that type of society.
1: They're trained to diagnose and match a drug with the diagnosis. That's really what their training is so much about.
0: Yeah. And I, I totally agree with that. It's true. But in representing doctors for many years, like doctors have a lot of requirements, right? They have for, to like ongoing just like, learning. Yeah. 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 Just like lawyers, they have continuing medical education that they have to do and they have conferences that they go to. Right. And so I know that the doctors learn more about nutrition than they were uh, taught in school. But I don't think that there's time or incentive to apply those things or learn more because of the society that we have Um, and the doctor's relationships with insurance companies, as well as pharmaceutical companies, for instance. So I think that, you know, whereas doctors might hear about these things, I don't think that they dive into them, unfortunately. And so I think we need to do that Ourselves, mm-hmm. yep. because, and we need to seek out the information from the people talking about these things because this is important stuff that can really change our lives mm-hmm. and prevent disease, which is what I'm all about. So, we took control of our food, and by doing that, my son got well. Wow. He doesn't have any problems eating,
1: like none anymore.
0: No, he was even he was even pre diabetic at the time, like his. His levels were all off and his levels just kept creeping up. And I love if my doctor ever listens to this, I want you to know I love you guys. Okay. (laughs) Yeah, I do. I I love my doctor. One of them saved my life uh, when I had appendicitis and I didn't have classic symptoms. He saved my life. He was amazing. But that's the thing he knows how to treat illness really well because that's what he does. And he just doesn't know how to prevent disease or Mm For things like this, where you have to start thinking a whole person type of thing, like you have right. to think about everything going on in your life and looking at yourself more. Well, and in their defense,
1: a doctor can't know each person individually. They just like you said, there's not enough time for that in a day for them to know each person individually. You have to be be a self advocate to bring that part of it to the table,
0: anyway. So, yeah, but no, my son's blood sugar is gr- great. He has no problems. He eats a lot. He's gained Mm -hmm. weight. He sits down to a meal. He doesn't get us until he's finished. just, Just for him, I mean, even just for him, if I did this for no other reason, I know that I set him on a good path in life Mm -hmm. where he's well and he can have a great life now. Yeah.
1: Yes. I expect at least someone out there is wondering how long did it take of changing your diet before your son started seeing results?
0: Not long. Not long. Just a couple of months. Okay, a couple of months. Well, it was a slow progression. I think it's overwhelming to think about doing all of that, you know, all at once. It's overwhelming to people and then people won't want to do it. Yeah. I'm not telling you to go home and throw out all of your food. You know, it starts with one thing and it starts with recognition an intention like if you start being more intentional about what you're eating then it becomes a lot easier and then he was addicted to sweet and salty things like most people are because they put way too much sugar salt and fat in our food in order to get us addicted to it because they want us to keep coming back because Food makers are businesses and their profit margin is important to them because that's how they make money. You know, if the profit is low, then they get rid of the product and they move on to a different product that has a higher margin for them. They're like any other business. And, and the more so, we are, the more we eat, the more profit they make. Right. And so we had to basically change his taste buds, get him off of the sugar, salt and fat that he was consuming. Mm -hmm. And quite honestly, that all started with awareness. And I'm, I'm fortunate. I have a very, a very kind, caring son that listens to his mother because, (laughs) you know, when I talk, he listens and, Mm. and unfortunately for them, I talk a lot. And so You know, he might have tuned me out, but I think he was at the point where he wanted to get better. And so he listened to the things that I was saying. and I really focused on making all of our food. Everything from the bread we were eating to all of the desserts to, mm-hmm. you know, I just switched up everything. Quite honestly, mm-hmm. our whole kitchen has changed in mm-hmm. the last couple of years. And I feel like it just it was awareness plus because your kids are going to eat out often when they're away from you. And so they need that awareness. You need to tell them, guide them because they don't learn these things in school and they don't learn these from things from their doctors. And so you need to help guide them like, here's the things that are good to eat. Here's how you should be eating. And then they can make really good choices when they're out. And then offering things at home, like not everybody's going to make their own bread, but you could buy better bread. And that's the whole thing. It's like just awareness about what is in the food that we're eating.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is so true. And, you know, I'm not sure about you, Michelle, but when I was growing up, I learned zero about food except for the food pyramid, which, by the way, has been completely spun up onto its head. Um, And I never learned to look at the labels and read what was in things. So to just equip our children to know what to look for and Yes, sometimes you're going to have things that aren't the best, but don't make that the default. Have that be the exception versus the rule.
0: Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. It's not that you can't have anything fun. It's that let's say you're on the, a road trip and you stop at a convenience mart and you grab some Cheetos. <laughs> you know you're eating something bad. Yeah. And you know that that's why we call it a treat. You're not going to eat it every day. You're going to yeah. eat it at that moment because that's your treat. And it's the awareness thing is the key. You know that it's bad. It's just not part of your nourishment. And mm-hmm. it's it's something that you're not going to eat all day long every day. If you have Cheetos for lunch, you're not going to have it again for dinner. Mm-hmm. And so that's the big thing is just not depriving yourself and not looking at it as depriving yourself. You're looking at it as I eat to nourish my body. And if I want a treat, that means I get a treat. Yeah, so
1: true. And the next time you stop at the gas station, maybe you get the nuts instead of the Cheetos. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> You know,
0: exactly. there are
1: options available or the cheese sticks or the yeah. meat sticks, the things that have the fewer ingredients in them. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's the thing is like knowing when you walk into the store. Like i I remember walking into the store when I just started accumulating this knowledge and I would get depressed because I saw around me, all around me, chemicals and additives.
1: Mm -hmm. Everywhere.
0: (laughs) And and it was depressing. And I actually stopped going to the store. I have a really awesome husband who would go to the Mm -hmm. store for me for a while. I just give him a list and he'd go because I'm like, I can't walk into the store right now. And then I realized I walked into the store and I wasn't depressed anymore. And I realized it was because I knew what was in everything. And it wasn't so scary. You know, the food's still scary. But it wasn't so scary going into the store because mm-hmm. I knew the things that I could select that were safe, and that made me happier because I realized that you can walk into a store, you can buy what you need, you can buy safe, healthy food. You just have to know how to do that.
1: That's such a good word. I actually, I want to pause on that for a second. I, I, I think it's a good for all of our listeners to realize that when you first start in this journey and you're first kind of diving below the surface from where you used to live, yeah, what you said is so key that it is scary and it is overwhelming. And you start feeling like there's absolutely nothing that's good for me. <laughs> and just yeah. to realize, expect that kind of small season of overwhelm
0: mm-hmm. until
1: you get that knowledge built up. I love that you said I wasn't scared anymore. You do get to a new level where you're like, OK, I got this. I understand what things are bad for me. And I know where in the store I can go, where I can find good things that will nourish and fuel my body. Mm-hmm. And they probably still have some toxins in them as well. It's like you can't get completely free, but you can do your part to eliminate as much of it as possible. That's really like, empowering.
0: <laughs> yeah, it is. And I like to compare it to learning how to ride a bite. At first, it seems really scary like you, you're scared. You don't even like, you don't even pedal very far. You you feel like you're going to fall off. And then you realize that you're going, you're pedaling. No one's holding onto the bike. You're mm-hmm. doing it all yourself. And it, you get to the point where you're not wobbling anymore and you are having fun. And all of a sudden you're smiling and you're laughing and just the feeling of the air going through you. And That's what it feels like to get to the point of not being scared of your food is you get to that point of just feeling like you can walk into the store and you know what to buy because you've learned it and it feels good to know. I mean, it still feels bad that they sell all that stuff that they sell and it feels bad when you see other people buying it. But you feel good for yourself that you're making good decisions and taking control of Food because we actually have a lot of power when it comes to food. It's our money mm-hmm. and we get to decide how we want to spend it.
1: And our money is our vote when it comes to food.
0: Right. We're voting with our dollars. Mm-hmm. And that's power. That's powerful because those food companies, they want your dollars. Mm-hmm. And it's just up to you whether you're going to give them away or not.
1: Yeah. I think it's encouraging. And you start seeing things like more of the grass fed and grass finished beef. You start seeing more of the organic things. The reason those things are starting to show up on the shelves is because people bought them. And so those sales were going up. Of course, that's where the companies are going to go to where the the people are spending the money.
0: Yeah, it's just up to you to kind of research whether those versions are any better. Mm -hmm. And also who's making them? Mm -hmm. You know, who's making them? I know for myself, like I just decided... When it came to my dog food, I wasn't going to give my money to the big dog food companies, which are owned by big food companies. All the big food companies own our dog food. Mm-hmm. I just decided I wasn't getting my money to them because I was really angry with them. And so they don't get my money. You know, they <laughs> don't. Good <laughs> <They're> for you.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I think you said something really key in that just because it's says organic, it's not necessarily any better than the one next to it. So can you enlighten us a little on that side?
0: So for something to have that organic label on it they need to go through a lot for the certification process to get that organic label. It's hard to comply with some of the things and as you can imagine the companies and the farmers and all the people involved in submitting for organic they're spending a lot more money to do that and that's why organic food costs more. Mm-hmm. And Not everybody can afford that, but it would be a good thing to invest in because I do feel like your food is an investment, just Mm -hmm. like the phone that you carry in your pocket. Mm -hmm. I mean, we carry, you know, a lot of people carry iPhones and they're very expensive Mm -hmm. devices. And I think that we need to care about our health as much as we do our technology. And so if you can afford organic, it's a great thing because what it means is that the food was raised without pesticides. And oftentimes, if it's meat, that means that it was raised without antibiotics, hormones, and steroids. And this is a very important thing to our health because in our society, we're consuming a lot of pesticides. Mm -hmm. The majority of food is sprayed with a pesticide called glyphosate, which is known to most people as Roundup weed killer. And that Roundup weed killer remains on our food when they test it, even after the food is harvested, sometimes it's because in order to harvest greens, they spray the pesticide on right before they harvest it. They wanna increase their yield. And the way they do it is to dry out as much as possible. And the pesticide remains on food in commerce. And the same thing about vegetables and fruits. There's certain fruits that are very dirty, That if you can't afford to buy organic food for everything that you eat, maybe you can afford to buy the dirtiest produce as organic versions, which happen to be things like apples, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries. I mean, all kinds of berries, green beans, spinach, any leafy green. These things are all very dirty and carry a lot of pesticides when they're tested in commerce. This is in commerce. So when you're getting it, it still has these pesticides on it. All of that pesticide is what's going to our gut microbiome and affecting our health, not just our physical health, but our mental health as well. We have a lot of anxiety and depression in our society. Mm-hmm. And it's my belief that it's it's our food that's causing this, at least part of it, not all of it, but part of it. Mm-hmm. So if you can buy organic, it's really important to do that so that you get cleaner food, you can't guarantee it's pesticide-free because when they're spraying crops, that pesticide carries blows into, yep. yeah. And plus, it's pesticides are in our water and our soil. And because of that, you might not get pesticide-free food if you buy organic, but you're being guaranteed that the food has been raised without pesticides being directly sprayed on it.
1: Yeah. So you could at least assure that you're getting less than you might've gotten otherwise. And if I'm going to spend my money, I'd rather spend it on good food than at the doctor's office (laughs) where (laughs) I'll end up going if I eat the bad stuff. So in some respects, you kind of you got to weigh the 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 differences there.
0: But the organic food isn't that much more expensive. And if you can't afford it, maybe you can make yourself aware of the food that has the most pesticide and just buy versions of organic for that type of food. That one. Yeah, that's. That's like the most harmful. And that's what I recommend to people is there's certain food that you should buy organic and there's certain foods that are known to be safe and you don't need to buy organic versions for that. And if you're not buying packaged chips and frozen dinners and all the bad food, you know, sodas and like I stopped buying any drinks. I mean, my Mm -hmm. family knows like we drink water. And we, I do not buy any of those like Gatorades or anything like that anymore. And mm-hmm. if you're not buying any of that, you can afford to buy organic. Mm-hmm. That's if so- you're not eating out at McDonald's because the food, it fast food, has the same chemicals and pesticides in it as the as the ultra processed food in the grocery store. It's the same thing. If you're not eating out, you're saving money. Yeah.
1: It's so true, wow, there's so much, so much here to take away the whole conversation. I just love what you had said about being aware. It starts with being aware and and being intentional and no, it's not a perfect world, but it's about slowly making better choices and teaching our kids which choices are better choices and which ones are mm-hmm. healthier, and we as a population are suffering from overfed and undernourished. There's just not that much nutrition left in our food right now. And I think I could talk with you on this topic for hours. So we probably should to be respectful of your time. I want to wrap up here relatively soon. But you have this amazing podcast and um, why don't you tell our our listeners a little bit more about where they can find you, what your podcast about, any other resources that you have that you want to make mention of.
0: Sure. So my podcast is called Harvesting the Truth, the Story of Our Food. And it's really about bringing more intention to the food we're eating and what it's doing to us. So I want people to learn what's in our food, but also how to prevent disease through food. Mm. And so I don't just feature food. Sometimes we talk about different diseases because I feel like things, you know, about the gut microbiome or different things with our health is really important to learn how those things work Mm -hmm. so that we can make good choices when it comes down to food, because it typically always comes back to the food. Mm -hmm. So it's called Harvesting the Truth. And then I also have a website I write under the name, The Food Stoic, and my website is Mm foodstoic.com. I have a newsletter that you can subscribe to when I send out the newsletter, typically once a week. It will give you some food to avoid as well as a healthier swap so that you say, want to swap out your ketchup. You know, this helps you do that. And then I will have some classes coming up. I have a personal coaching uh, program to help people to eat with more intention and I'm currently writing a book, so we'll see, we'll see where that goes. <laughs>
1: wow. Well, the, the year 2024 is a big year for you, my friend. <laughs> I
0: think so. I think it will be. Yeah, wonderful.
1: Well, I so appreciate your time. And thank you for sharing the story about your family and your puppies and your son and just the amazing transformation that he was able to make in his health just by changing what you guys served on your table at night. Mm-hmm. I just think that is so encouraging and empowering overall. Just so empowering. And we'll have to have you back on in a few months when that book's out and we can talk about that one, too.
0: Yep, definitely. I really enjoyed my time here. And like you said, we could talk forever, but I'm sure the listeners have somewhere else they need to be.
1: (laughs) Well, we'll have you back and we'll continue the conversation. But thank you so much for your time today, Michelle.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Lisa.
1: All right. Michelle had so many good gold nuggets that it was hard to pare it back to a few. But here we go. One, if you're suffering from long COVID, brain fog and vertigo, high blood pressure, and you're being told that you may have to take medicine for the rest of your life, well, just know that you can decide that approach is not okay with you, and there are other ways to heal. Two, in our Western approach to medicine, all people get treated the same way. When they get the same diagnosis, they get the same medications, go through the same tests. But just know that there are other ways to heal. So if you get to the point where a doctor says, that's all I can do for you, that is not a dead end, my friend. You've got other options. Number three, if you're feeling burned out on your job, seriously, consider stepping back and take a breath. The time away can offer health, healing, and perspectives that you may not have gotten otherwise. And sometimes it might just lead you on to a new career that you will love and that will really light you up. Number four, taking up a creative hobby like baking and cooking or music opens up neural pathways in our brains and helps us recover from burnout. Also, it just helps you do something fun, creative and joyful, which really helps the recovery and healing process. Number five, when you start cooking your own food, you start to realize the healing power of food. Simple ingredients, which all can be pronounced, are indicators of clean eating. Number six, you must research your food and what you're putting into your body. Look at the labels and start to familiarize yourself with the things going into your food. There are more than 50 common names for sugar, which is put onto the ingredients labels. Check out the link in the show notes to learn more. Research is your friend. If your family is sick, if you're feeling sick, if your dogs or pet are sick, there's a good chance that your environment and or your food are part of the problem. Take note and do some research. Number seven, it's okay to really like your doctor, to trust them, to honor them, and to disagree with them. Don't worry, they are tough enough to handle it. If your doctor tells you that everything is normal and you know in your gut that it's not, press on until you get some answers. Doctors know a lot about their specialty, but doctors are trained to treat diseases, not always to cure them and get to the root cause. They are human. Their knowledge only goes so deep. So you've got to take control of your health. No one knows you better than you. Number eight, people are taking control of their food and getting their health back. You can too. Number nine, as a population, we are suffering from being overfed and undernourished. So maybe it's time to dump your entire pantry and start over. Identify the ingredients that you're not okay with. Maybe the many forms of sugar and vegetable oils, and start over happy new year <laughs> happy new pantry and yeah your family might wonder about that but they'll thank you in a couple of decades number 10 guide your kids and help them learn how to make good choices help them know how to read labels and to know what they're eating when they buy things at a convenience mart or when they're doing their own grocery shopping we've got to pass on our knowledge to our kids Number 11, there will be a day when you walk into the grocery store and you will know exactly what you can buy that is safe and healthy and you won't be depressed anymore. It's our money and we get to decide how we spend it. We're voting with our dollars and that's power. And finally, if you're unable to afford buying everything organic, consider staying away from the dirty dozen and focusing on the clean fifteen. Buy the things organic that are typically found to have the most toxic load of pesticides and buy the things not organic that are pretty clean. Check out the list here in the show notes for more information on this. If you enjoyed the show today, please share it with a friend, family member, or again, anyone who will listen and take a quick moment to write a review. As a newly launched podcast, those reviews really help me know what I'm doing well, and it helps others know that the content is valuable and helpful. We talked a lot today about food sourcing. In January, I'm launching a course called Fast, Pray, Heal. We'll explore the topic of fasting and how a fast can actually help eliminate the toxins that we've already put into our body, pesticides and toxins that have come from our food, and how to leverage this ancient tool as a way to ignite healing and break the strongholds on your healing journey. Go to lisarores.com for all the details and to reserve your spot for the January class, which is sure to sell out quickly. lisarores.com. Thanks again for joining. God bless and have a beautiful day.